guys this morning. Um, we've been on this great journey together of holistic living for the past couple of weeks. And we've been discussing how um, God created us as holistic beings, meaning that everything about us is intimately interconnected and nothing can be separated from each other. We are to treat ourselves as a whole person. And God wants to do great things through you and me. And our body has been given to us as a tool to serve the purpose of God, and we're to honor what God has given us. And because of that, St. Paul tells us, um, he tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are to sanctify, to set apart our whole self by taking care of it. And we split up our being into three components, our body, spirit, and mind. And last week we talked about our bodies and we looked at how Daniel purposed in his heart to not be defiled. And he pursued excellence mentally, physically, and spiritually. And we discussed the importance of eating well um, and how God created food to be medicine and to heal and to nourish our bodies. We also discussed the importance of exercise and getting enough sleep. Um, today, we're going to talk into the um, second component of our being, which is our mind. And again, I'm going to state that I am not an expert in this. I'm not a professional in this. I'm just something, this is something I'm passionate about, and I've learned, and I'm sharing along with you guys. So, July 2010, um, Father Nathaniel and I got married. We moved to D.C. He was in dental school. I was starting off my career at the time I was an architect. We were young, everything was going great. We lived in a great city with a very large active church with a lot of people. And then a couple years in, I began struggling with some major anxiety issues. And I kept thinking there was something wrong with me. All my circumstances around me seemed to be going well. Why am I so down? Why am I so anxious? Why am I having a hard time having peace and getting sleep? I kept trying to solve this problem on my own and I tried maybe if I controlled everything around me, everything will be fine, I can hide it. I can put, my, you know, put a mask on the outside showing that I'm all put together. And I thought, hey, it's only affecting me, so let me just put on a mask, let me hide it, and it'll, maybe it'll go away. And I mean, if you look at this picture, right? I look happy, I look put together. It looks like everything is going great. But this was a time when I was really struggling. I was really struggling inside with a lot of anxiety. And it began to affect my marriage. And it began to affect the person whom I loved, my husband. And it really affected my spiritual life. And I had a wake-up call, and it was actually on this trip here, and that's why I chose this picture, because this trip that uh, Abuna and I went on was a wake-up call. That if I wanted to keep the marriage that God has blessed me with, and if I wanted to experience the blessings he has for me and live out the life he has planned for me, I need to do something. I need to go get help. I can't hide this anymore. So I didn't know what to do or where to go at the time. So I decided to go to my father of confession at the time. And he led me to go meet up with a, a Christian counselor who was a Coptic Christian counselor. And getting the help I, need, I needed was the best decision I could have possibly ever made. And through that process, I learned so much. 
I learned that Christians struggle with mental illness and mental health problems just like everybody else. I learned that we each have a mask that we use to try to hide our struggles and everybody's mask looks different. I learned that mental illness and struggles is nothing to be ashamed of. It's a medical problem, just like heart disease or diabetes. I mean, if we look at things from a biblical perspective, we're all broken people. We don't have to work harder to be healed. Christ came, and by his grace, we're healed. This is why he came. He told us in Mark 2.17, Jesus said, When Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I learned that it's not your fault, that it's not about your spiritual life, and that it's a treatable condition and that there's hope. All you have to do is take the first step. I learned that the greatest lie of the enemy is that our brokenness will break our relationships. But actually, our brokenness is a greater bridge to other people than our pretend wholeness ever will be. I learned that if you're someone like me, who you walk into work or into church or somewhere where you're around a lot of people and you try to act like you have it all together and every, everybody thinks you've got it going on and you're doing great, but inside you're actually hanging by a thread, it's so much better and so much safer when you finally have the courage to take off that mask in our scene. It's scary, yes. It's vulnerable. But you discover so many authentic relationships and what you gain from that process, you wouldn't trade for anything else in the world. Did you know that one in five U.S. adults experience mental illness each year? So in 2019, that was 20.6% of U.S. adults, which was 51.5 million people. One in 20 U.S. adults experience serious mental illness each year. So in 2019, that was 5.2% of the U.S. adults, which is 13.1 million people. One in six U.S. youth aged from as little as six years old to age 17 experience a mental health disorder each year. The last study was from 2016 that said 16.5% U.S. youth from age 6 through 17 experienced mental health disorders, which was about 7.7 .7 million people. 50% of all lifetime mental illness begins by age 14, and 75% by age 24. 3.8% of U.S. adults experience a co-occurring substance use disorder and mental illness in 2019. 19, which was about 9.5 million people. So what exactly is mental illness? Mental illness is a condition that affects a person's thinking, feeling, or mood. And such conditions may affect someone's ability to relate to others and function each day. Now, each person will have different experiences. Even though they have the same diagnosis, they will experience it different and have slightly different struggles. Because your mental health is not a result of just one event. Research suggests that there's multiple linking causes. So our genetics, biology, environmental factors, lifestyle choices we make, they all influence whether somebody will develop a mental health condition. 
A stressful job or home life can make somebody more susceptible, as well as traumatic life events, when people go through trauma. Your biochemical processes and circuits and your basic brain structure plays a role too. But either way, it's a real and treatable condition. And none of this means that you're broken or that you or your family did anything wrong. It's not anybody's fault. And for many people, recovery and having meaningful roles in social life and school and work, it's possible when you start treatment early and you start to play a huge role in your own um, recovery process. Some of the different mental health um, conditions that people struggle with, some of the main ones are anxiety disorders, ADHD, bipolar disorder, borderline personality disorder, depression, dissociative disorder, eating disorders, obsessive compulsive disorder, which we know as OCD, post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, psychosis, schizoaffective disorder, and schizophrenia. Those are the top um, mental health conditions that people struggle with. But I want to stop here for a minute, and I want to make a distinction between our minds and our brain. Your mind is not your brain. So the brain and the mind are not the same thing. There's a doctor named Dr. Williams B. Salt, and he defined the difference this way, and I loved his definition. He said, your brain is part of the visible, tangible world of the body. The brain is the physical organ most associated with mind and consciousness. Your mind, however, is part of the invisible, transcendent world of thought. It's your feeling, attitude, belief, and imagination. But the mind is not confined to the brain. The intelligence of your mind permeates every cell of your body, not just your brain cells. Your mind has tremendous power over all bodily systems. Another professor of neurobiology um, and clinical neuroscience states that our mind is the awareness of consciousness we know. It has the ability to control what we do and know what we are doing and why. It's the ability to understand. So think of it this way. Your brain is like a computer software that can do stuff, but it needs someone to control it. And that's where our mind comes into play. It controls and guides the brain, and it can give it good data or bad data. And we see through these definitions and differences between our mind and our brain, the strong holistic connection of our mind, body, and soul, how it's all connected. And our minds play such a large role in our health. Just like Dr. Williams said, mind has a tremendous power over all bodily systems. And just like we saw in this past video, the, the video earlier, it shows that studies actually show that there's a large connection between, um, due to our holistic nature, between our mental and physical conditions. So problems that first affect the mind can later increase a person's risk for physical problems, such as diabetes, high blood pressure, or malnutrition. The opposite, conversely, problems that first affect the body, such as disease or an accident, can also affect your mental health, like your emotions, your thinking, and your mood. 68% of adults with mental health disorders have medical conditions. And then 29% of adults with medical conditions also have mental disorders. So what are some ways to keep our minds, which we're saying have such a powerful part and who I am, and control a lot of who I am, how do we keep that mind healthy? One of the first things is our self-talk. 
the way you talk to yourself. A lot of us might not realize it, but we have a running conversation with ourselves all the time. And your identity largely comes from how you talk to yourself. And a lot of us, if we're honest with ourselves, if we talk to our friends the way we talk to ourselves, we wouldn't have any friends because we talk to ourselves so negatively. Choose how to talk to yourself. Change the way you talk to yourself. Proverbs 23, 7, it says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. You don't have to believe everything that you think. We have to learn to rewire our brains. And that's kind of like what cognitive therapy is. When you go get therapy, cognitive therapy is rewiring our brains. And the Bible actually gives reinforcements on cognitive therapy and rewiring our brains. Romans 12:2, St. Paul tells us, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So how do we do that practically? Like what is a way that we can practically try to rewire our brains, our minds? One of the things we can do is finding a truth for every lie that you, you tell yourself. So there's this um, thing called the hope circle, but you can really do it for any lie that you tell yourself. So if you tell yourself, I hate myself, go to 1 John 4.10 where it says you're loved. Keep that verse on you. So every time you go through that thought, you remind yourself, I am loved. You tell yourself, I don't matter. No, you have a purpose. Read Jeremiah 29.11. You say, I don't fit in. Romans 12, 4 through 6, telling you that you belong. You say, I want to give up. No, you have a choice, and remind yourself with 2 Corinthians 4, 7. And then if you feel useless, remind yourself that you're needed, 2 Corinthians 13, 4. Every time you have a lie or a, a lie that goes through your mind, find yourself a truth. I have like a journal, and every lie I've told myself, I wrote the truth next to it. I found a verse that opposes it and tells me the truth. So every time I have that lie go through my head, I open that back up and I remind myself of what the truth is. Another way to keep our minds healthy is by monitoring and paying attention to our social media use. So in today's world, a lot of us rely on social media platforms like Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, YouTube. I know there's a lot more that I don't know about anymore. <laughs> um, but there's a lot of social media platforms out there. And we use it to connect with each other. Right? And there's nothing wrong with that. Like it, it all had, each one of those platforms have their benefits. But it's also important for us to remind ourselves that social media can never be a replacement for real world human connections. They actually say that in-person contact with others actually triggers hormones that alleviate stress, make you feel happier, healthier, and more positive. And then ironically, the technology that's designed to bring people closer together, when you end up spending too much time engaging in it, can actually make you feel more lonely and isolated. Um, sorry. So they actually say that it can exacerbate your mental health problems such as anxiety and depression. So while many of us like enjoy staying on, connected on social media, it can actually fuel um, feelings of anxiety, depression, isolation, and FOMO, fear of missing out. And some of the um, top negative experiences that people go through with overuse of social media is inadequacy about one's life or appearance, the fear of missing out, FOMO, isolation, depression and anxiety, cyberbullying, and self-absorption. Those are the top six. 
And it was found in this study that excessive social media use can actually create a negative self-perpetuating cycle. So when you're lonely, depressed, anxious, you end up going to social media as a way to relieve boredom or to feel connected. And then from that, using the social media, you start to use the social media more. And when you end up using it more, it in increases your feelings of FOMO, anxiety, dissatisfaction, and isolation. So then those negative feelings affect your mood and they worsen your symptoms of depression, anxiety, and stress. And because you're feeling depression, anxiety, and stress, you end up going back and using social media even more and then it's like a downward spiral that continues. So what are some ways that we can kind of find out if social media is having this negative impact on us? So everybody's different, so it's no like specific, like if you check your Facebook or your social media this much, or if you post this many times, or uh, you refresh it however many times, like it, it's not like a, a formula, but it's really about how does it, the time that you're on it, how does it impact your mood and other aspects of your life? And only you can tell yourself that. So, and also your motivation for using it. So for example, if when you're on social media, It'll be problematic if you experience the following things. If it causes you to neglect any face-to-face -face relationships, if it distracts you from work or school, if it leaves you feeling envious, angry, or depressed, if it causes you to compare yourself unfavorably with others, if you're experiencing cyberbullying, if you're motivated to use social media just because you're bored or lonely, or you want to post something to make somebody else jealous or upset. If you have no time for self-reflection and spending time with yourself, you're using it too much. Um, if you suffer from sleep problems, a big one with younger, um, with younger kids is if you're engaging in risky behavior in order to get more likes on social media. We see that a lot with younger kids. And then worsening symptoms of anxiety or depression. So if you're experiencing any of this, with your social media use, if you feel like it's impacting you in any way and from what I've listed, I would highly, highly recommend limiting or even cutting out your social media. I've gone through that. I go through these phases where I feel like it's affecting me and I cut it out and sometimes it's the best refresher for yourself. So really be honest with yourself and see if my time on social media is having this type of impact on me. Um, other practices to keep your mind healthy are Practicing gratitude. Um, how do you respond to circumstances? We're told to give thanks in all things because all things work for good, right? But it's not always that easy. So practicing daily gratitude rewires our brain and how you respond to circumstances. Another thing is relationships, choosing good relationships. Choose better friendships. Choose people who will lift you up and encourage you. Studies show that you tend to see yourself by what you think the most important person in your life thinks about you. So let me say this in a different way. Your self-esteem and your self-image comes from what you think the most important person in your life thinks about you. So that's why we make a big deal of making, you know, Christ the most important person and studying what he thinks about you because that's where your self-esteem and self-image will come from. And of course, exercise is one of the best things a person can do to improve your body, mind, and your mood. It doesn't have to be going to the gym or doing anything like elaborate or intense, but you know, just going even for a walk, five to 10 minutes a day, building up to 20 to 30 minutes a day, it would be a good goal and it helps with your mood. There's also relaxation techniques out there that you can do. Um, 
Meditation is known to give a sense of calm and balance and help improve emotional well-being and overall health. And we have prayer and meditation as spiritual practices that are huge help with mental health condition to find peace with our ultimate healer and maker. Um, there's many available techniques out there to help you relax, but a big one is the breathing. Tech, uh, breathing. It helps kind of focus your mind. It helps your muscles stay relaxed. And what you do, if you like take, you kind of sit calmly, you close your eyes, you take a deep breath in, and then you breathe out. And when you do that, it helps relax your mind. And if you end up, your mind gets distracted while in meditation, it helps kind of bring back the focus to breathing. So there's actually some good um, practical ways to do that um, and keeping God's word in our mind always to help with renewing our mind. There's an app called the Abide app, which I have. It's free, but if you want more stuff in it, you end up having to pay for it. I use like the free aspects, but there's more to it. Then, so you would have to pay for it. But the Abide app, I love it because it helps you meditate on God's word. So it has scriptures while giving you breathing exercises. So you can choose like any topic if you're dealing with like anxiety, stress, trying to sleep, um, hope, whatever the topic might be. You pick it and it's like reading a psalm. It even reads like a Bible excerpt for you. They even have like a kid's section. Somebody's reading it and then it guides you through breathing while you're at it. So it tells you to take a deep breath in and like breathe out, relax. It has nice music. It's a really nice calming thing with bringing God's word into it. Another practice for relaxation are called breath prayers or breathing prayers. Um, and that's when you... Um, it keeps you also focused and keeps you relaxed and keeps your mind focused on God's word, but also getting the benefits of the breathing um, exercises for relaxation. So a big one that um, I was told about that I practice a lot is the Jesus prayer, the breathing exercise. So you would breathe in, take a deep breath, go, and you say, my Lord Jesus Christ, and then breathe out, have mercy on me, a sinner. And you do that multiple times for a couple minutes, five minutes, whenever you're feeling like anxiety. But you can also do it with any of your favorite verses. So this was an example I found, Psalm 27, 14. You inhale, wait for the Lord, exhale, be strong and take heart. And it just kind of relaxes you, keeps you focused, and brings your mind back to where your strength and your peace comes from. Some other uh, ways to keeping our mind healthy are support groups. So there's many types of support groups out there that are available online or in person um, with mental health and substance abuse um, concerns. Joining some of these groups can provide an opportunity to kind of learn from other people how they're coping, hear their stories, ask questions, talk about personal experiences. There's a great Christian-based one um, that you can look up called Celebrate Recovery. And when you type that in, it's a Christian-based um, group, and it, a lot of different churches in our area kind of host them. And it's, um, it helps you kind of go with people that are going through some similar struggles as you. But honestly, this is one of the biggest reasons, one of the big reasons why we make such a big deal about life groups and joining life groups. So that way you can connect and build vulnerable and authentic relationships with like-minded people. And then having a healthy spiritual life. Um, there's so many studies out there that show that people that have faith and go to their churches, their physical and mental health is a lot better. They show that people involved in religion and spiritual groups have lower risk of premature death, death, sorry, death or illness in those that are compared to those that are not involved. Um, you, get, you receive a type of like fellowship and emotional support offered from your religion and spiritual groups that promote, promote healthy living and mental um, health. And having good mental health care is completely consistent with Christian value. If you spend every day reading the Bible, meditating on God's word, it can have a healing effect on your mind and your brain. 
And the Bible continues to give us mental health principles, um, especially supporting the meditation. In Philippians 4, 8, it says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good, report. If there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. So if you are someone who is struggling with mental health condition, what can you do? If you've practiced all the above methods of keeping your mind healthy and you're still struggling, go seek help. Talk to someone you trust. It could be a priest, it could be a friend, it could be your doctor, it could be your life group leader. Just find help. Do not, hear me on this, do not let the fear of stigmatization or judgment keep you from asking for help. There's no shame in mental illness. It is a real and treatable condition, just like any other health problem like heart disease or diabetes. It's a medical problem, and it does not define you. It does not define you. We're all broken. It just looks different for each person. Each person's brokenness looks different. And you don't have to suffer in silence. Life does not have to be as difficult. There's treatment, there's help, there's ways to get your life back. Most mental illnesses, they say, are, 90%, are treatable and 90% effective if you seek the help and will get the treatment. You just have to be open to the medical professionals and the help needed. And sometimes medication is needed, and that's okay. We're in a great place right now in human history where brain science um, can be healed and worked on. And we're also in a great place culturally because as a society and as a church, we're able to accept more and be more supportive of mental illness because it affects everybody and their loved ones. And efforts in this area as far as faith and society and culture have really improved tremendously. And I don't know, some of you guys might remember Dr. Mina Merholm, he gave us like a little um, thing on Zoom six months ago or so during the pandemic about mental health. He is very passionate, he's a, he's a psychiatrist who's very passionate, and there's lots of people like him out there that are out, he's um, pushing into, the, especially the Orthodox Church, you know, a lot of resources and getting it out there so we can find the help that we need. And treatment of medicine, talk therapy, exercises, there's so many ways to treat mental health conditions. And um, the experience of healing that we go through, it needs to involve other people of course, people that we trust. But when we're struggling with mental illness, when we speak it out loud, when we speak out loud our deeper fears and experiences in the presence of a trusted person, it allows it to be present in a way where it can be spoken to, it can be looked at, it can be wrestled with, and then finally, hopefully, cured or improved. In the Orthodox Church, we have a great practice um, and we get to experience this wonderful and beautiful kind of deep spiritual level of healing and forgiveness through the sacrament of confession. And next week, we're going to have our last talk about holistic living, and we're going to talk about our spirit and different, um, we're going to dive deeper into like different spiritual practices from the church that help us with our holistic living. But I want us to never fear and feel like you have to do this alone. You don't have to toughen up and do this on your own. And, and when you come to talk to somebody, good for you because you know you're infallible, you know that you're broken like everybody else, and you're getting treatment. A psychiatrist named Dr. Daniel Moorhead said this beautifully when he said, mental illness is not personal or spiritual weakness. 
People with mental illness display the highest level of courage, character, and faith. Mental illness is a war. It's hard. Every day is a struggle. And yes, as much as there's improvements, there's probably not as much help out there as we would like. But you have to keep fighting. Through the struggle, go daily fight. There's people out there, they're imperfect, but they're willing to help. And if you seek and receive the treatment, you can live a healthy and productive life. But whatever it is, don't give up. Think about the people who love you and care for you and want to be there for you. And if you know somebody that is struggling, sometimes the only thing and the best thing to do is just to listen, to be a listening ear. But keep moving forward. And if you're not sure what to do next, ask God. Tell him, please show me. Please help me. He's going to help, he's going to, he loves to show himself, and he's going to help us make the next right step. There is hope, because every single person is created on purpose for a purpose. Each person here has a purpose and is loved by God, created by God, and has a reason to be here. For you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. Psalm 139. Just because you have a diagnosis or you're getting treatment, your life is no different. And you have just as much purpose and value as the people around you. God can redeem the pain. God can do his work in you and through you no matter what condition you have. If you seek help and ask for his guidance. And that's not just wishful thinking. Okay, it's Romans 28, 28 living. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God is able. Our hope comes from him. He will take everything, and he can make it new. He can make it work for his good. No matter how awful, God can take it and make it work out for good. He can take anything and make something new out of it, because our God is a God of second chances. He can take the most broken and messed up situation and redeem the pain and difficulties that you go through. And I'm living proof that you can live such a rich and full life in spite of any mental health challenge that you have. Because I know and I believe deep down inside in the promise that God gave me in Isaiah 61, 1 through 3. He came, why did Christ come? He came to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance for our God. He came to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And when you yourself have gone through the struggle and gone through the healing process, you can become what they call a wounded healer. You can be a source of inspiration and healing for others and create this trickle-down effect of healing. 
And do as St. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulations, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves were comforted by God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. To him be all the glory forever. Amen. So as promised, I've been giving resources after each talk um, that you can use. This week, I wanted to focus more on resources that if you yourself are struggling and you need to find help and you don't know where to go, these are two websites um, that will help you find um, counseling that are Christian-based. There's the American Association of Christian Counselors. You can just Google that. And there's Faith Counseling. These are faith-based counselors. There's also um, one that Father Nathaniel had built a connection with, and he's been referring a lot of people to her. So if you want to go to somebody that he knows personally and that he's been referring, you can also ask him for it. There is one that is Orthodox-based, where the counselors are Orthodox, but the two closest ones that I could find were in Savannah and Columbus. Um, but if you're still interested in that, I can give you that website, but there, Georgia isn't, like, doesn't have as many Orthodox um, counselors out there. Um, but these are just, again, websites that you can go for you yourself to go and take that first step of finding healing for yourself. So if we can stand up for prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, you are our healer, our physician. You make us whole. Thank you so much for all the resources and the advancements that you have made to help us find healing in every aspect of our health, including our minds. Please, Lord, give us the comfort and give us the courage for all of us that are struggling so that we can find the help and the healing that we need. Through the prayers of St. Mary, St. Mark, and all your saints, here's when you pray and say thankfully, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. In the name of the Father.